Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out The Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Join co-hosts Will and Brian as they break down the lore of a rich multiverse 50 years in the making in a light-hearted and beginner-friendly way. They cover everything from character creation options to tips for dungeon masters. There's something for everyone, no matter how long you've been playing TTRPGs. Find the Dungeon Cast anywhere you get podcasts or on YouTube. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry, Angry Neighborhood, Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Hi. Hi. How you doing? I'm okay. Yeah. My uterus is trying to kill me from the inside out. Yeah. Relatable. Other than that. You know, chucking along. Yeah, I understand. I was thinking that today where I had, like, one of those moments where it, like, kind of jolted me up out of bed, and I was like, when is my period coming back? Mine wasn't supposed to be here for another couple of days. That sucks. And then I was like, no! I I hate that, like, and especially, like, yesterday, it got me thinking about it because yesterday I was on set for 14 hours, and I was just like, there's 0% chance that I'd be able to do this if I was on my period. I've done it. I would feel like such shit. It's Like, honestly. But sometimes doing things like that helps get my mind off of how I feel, where if I'm just sitting, I feel like my cramps intensify. But sometimes, like not yes. always, but sometimes if I'm up and I'm doing something. Well, that's what they say. Like, getting up and moving helps. Yeah. Um, and it depends on how bad it is. Depends yeah. on the month. Yeah, it does. But, man, I, I don't want to have to have a period in one of those, like, set trailer bathrooms. No. They're not even that bad. It's not like no. they're porta potties but still, no, thank you. No. Um, okay, so welcome back. Welcome. <laughs> that was such a great intro. Exactly. Period talk. Period talk. Uh, welcome back to another episode of What's in the News. Yes, yes, I have something really shitty. Okay, feel free to start. <laughs> Did you hear about the synagogue shooting in Germany yesterday? Yes. Okay, so I wanted to talk about that a little bit because we've talked about um, anti-Semitism in Germany today a few times on, especially our mini-episodes, we've discussed that a little bit. Um, so on Wednesday, October 9th, which is also Yom Kippur, um, a man followed through with a planned massacre at a synagogue in, I believe it's Halle, Germany. It's spelled the same way that my cousin Halle's name is spelled, so I'm going to say that. Sure. Um, for a Yom Kippur service. He had nine pounds worth of explosives in his car, and he live-streamed on Twitch for about 35 minutes, making anti-Semitic and misogynistic comments before driving into the synagogue, or to the to the synagogue um so he went to the door and he tried to like break it down and it wouldn't open so he ended up shooting at it and then that didn't work so we like j- tried to jam it with an explosive but they say that the fact that the door was jammed saved so many lives there's about 60 people i believe in the synagogue mm-hmm. and so he left and on a nearby street he ended up killing and shooting a man in a kebab shop and a woman on the street. So the head of the Central Council of Jews said it was scandalous that police were not protecting the synagogue on Yom Kippur. Interior Minister Horst Seehofer told reporters that anti-Semitism and right-wing terrorism is a threat in Germany. 
German police provide varying degrees of protection to synagogues, but when there is when that isn't possible, the local Jewish communities have been working with law enforcement to provide their own safety. Yeah, so, I, be- I believe we talked about this before that yeah. in Germany, um, typically they uh, have police to protect synagogues um, yeah. because of their history there. Right. They're usually pretty good about recognizing their own history and yeah. combating the anti-Semitism in their country. Yes. Uh, and so law enforcement usually is there to yeah. protect synagogues, especially on holidays. So, Well, they were saying that particularly on that day, they were just spread really thin. That, like, they weren't able to get there. They didn't have enough manpower, basically, to make sure that they were all being protected and a lot of people are really frustrated by that because it's like what the fuck like <laughs> yeah i mean i understand it from their perspective of like there's only so many people like yeah outside of hiring more police officers yeah what or do you even do? like i wonder if there would be any like volunteer positions or if there would be like that seems like a um, good solution security guards or mm-hmm. anything anything like that anybody with any semblance of training who would know how to handle a potentially dangerous situation um, I guess it took the cops about 10 minutes to get there, and it was apparently... That's a long time. ...horrifying. It's a really long time. And this guy was really working to try to break the door down, too. Like, that is scary. That's yeah. really scary. So we talked about this um, on another episode, but earlier this year, Jews were warned by government officials to not wear traditional kippahs in public. And anti-Semitic hate crimes in Germany has risen nearly 20% from 2017 to 2018, while the number of physical attacks on Jews increased from 37 to 69. Well, so it's definitely on the rise. Yes, I believe we talked about some of this in our yeah. domestic terrorism or white terrorism episode. Yes, that's the one. And mostly in that episode, although we did touch on terror attacks that were happening in other countries, we were mainly focusing on white terrorism, domestic terrorism that was happening in the United States. Yeah. But it's all part of the same machine, right? These people are all being radicalized the same way. Like, the fact that he live-streamed his um, plans or his attack on yeah. Twitch, to me, that says that he is very involved in an internet or online community. And he's attuned to what others are doing. Right. I would not be surprised whatsoever if he was involved in things like 4chan, 8chan, um, on those forums or interacting. I also wouldn't be surprised if he had been radicalized by a lot of this literature that we've talked about. Yeah. Um, So it's it's a growing epidemic. It's a huge problem. I don't know what we're supposed to do about it, but I do know that this was something that was put into motion very deliberately by the alt-right to radicalize young like white people yeah. all across the world. And so um I don't know. I don't know what we can do. Yeah, I mean, I think that for Germany specifically moving forward, really making sure that they're taking all the precautions they can to keep holy places safe for people to go and worship. I yeah. think that's really important. Um other than that, it's hard it's hard to police the internet. You know, I mean, unless somebody sees the live stream, calls the police and gets things moving, usually people who see those things are not going to be the people who are going to rat him out. Right. I I mean, mean? I would say one of the other things and again, like this is all speculation on my part, given what I know about how the Internet works, like the nature of the Internet um, and these kinds of things. I saw a really great thread. I don't know if I talked about it on the domestic uh, terrorism, white terrorism episode. But there was a really great thread by a white mom, mm-hmm. uh, American mom. She was a white middle class mom taught with sons who was yeah. talking about how it is her job to police what's happening on the yeah. Internet because 
she sees and recognizes that white men, young white men, are being targeted in this way to yeah. be radicalized. Yeah. And they're very easily susceptible to radicalization because of their entitlement. Right. Um, so, like, parents, like, please, like, yeah. monitor what your kids are doing on the internet. Yeah, and I think having a conversation about allyship is really important um, with your kids because I feel like when, especially young boys, I feel, I just watched this episode of Big Mouth yesterday where um, it was actually kind of like a like a rape culture slut shame kind of awareness episode. And one of the boys goes online and he does this whole rant about like, what do women want? We, you know, they, we look at them and then they don't want us to look at them because they're being sexy, but they're trying to be sexy. And it's this whole thing. And the guy was like, Hey, we share the same views. Come to this meeting. And so this like young boy goes to the meeting and he starts talking about like, so there was this girl, and they're like, uh, women. Bleh. And then it starts like the guy speaking, it gets worse and worse and worse. He goes, Oh my god, we're with we're in a room of Nazis. We're in a room of Nazis. We gotta get out of here. Right. And it's like because they say these things mm-hmm. that are so innocent. Like, yes, we agree with your, you know, middle school teenage brains of being frustrated with girls or being frustrated with um the current political climate in ways that they can understand. And then they get sucked in and then it becomes this radical situation. Right. It's a boiling of the frog situation, which yeah. we've, we've talked about many times. It's like they're going to get you on something that you maybe share similar views on or you're starting to be open to these views, just like yeah. slowly being radicalized. And then by the time they introduce this very scary doctrine, they've gained your trust, yeah. you know, or they're they, presenting it in a very humorous way on on you know, right. YouTube or whatever. And they've made you think that it's a good idea. It's right. not like they're forcing you to do anything. You're like, yes, this is what makes sense if I want things to change. It's just really scary. I know these things are happening everywhere and all of these, especially like church, synagogue, you know, attacks, they're all drawing it back to Christchurch. Um, a lot of people were inspired by Christchurch, especially with the streaming and everything like that. And I don't know. I wish I had the solution for, like, a widespread fix. I don't know. I don't know either. And it's also hard because it's hard to know, like, is all the coverage is necessary because we don't want people to think that these things aren't happening or that, you know, anti-Semitism is fixed or racism right. is fixed or anything like that. And we want people to be very aware of what's going on. But also, it does spur on you know, lookalikes, yeah. you know, who want to do the same thing and they yeah. want the same kind of, like, notoriety or or whatever. So it's hard to know where that line is. I was thinking that, I know we're getting a little off topic, but I was thinking that with, I went and saw The Joker earlier this week, and I, before I went and saw it, I know all of the criticism, I heard all of the criticism, and there was part of me, though, that was thinking, like, are you increasing the likelihood of there being a shooter mm-hmm. at one of these screenings because you won't stop talking about how there's going to be a shooter at one of these screenings? You know what I mean? Like, are you manifesting that because now you're giving people the idea of like, well, I'm probably going to get a lot of attention if I, I do this thing. I didn't hear about that. Are people saying that there's potentially yes. going to be? Well, because it was the Dark night, right? Where that shooting happened years ago. Right. But that was like, you know, actually a huge myth that that guy was like trying to emulate the Joker. It yeah. was just that he was trying to hurt as many people as possible. Right. And it was and a very famous... went to a theater. Uh, yeah. yeah, huge, huge movie. But it was also that a lot of people were very critical of the um, way that the Joker was being advertised without having seen the movie. Okay. And thinking that this was some kind of like 
incel celebration of like, look at this sad white man who no everyone was mean to him. So yeah. we're gonna celebrate him for being violent. You okay. know what I mean? Um, and people didn't want to celebrate that. I have my own thoughts and opinions on the movie. It did a lot of things right. It did yeah, a lot I of things it, so really wrong. I think that a lot of what the um, director talked about is like sketch. So there's that. But I would encourage everyone, maybe if you don't feel like going to the movies and seeing it, wait till it comes out, see it, and then draw your own conclusions. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of Joaquin Phoenix. I love his acting. I don't think... I don't know. Did you see the interview with him on Jimmy Kimmel where they showed the behind-the-scenes video of him where he's, like, cursing out a crew member? Oh, well, yeah. No, I I haven't, but I'm not surprised by that. Anytime, I mean, it wasn't, like, a Christian Bale screaming. Yelling. But... Well, anytime. <laughs> that's just a pet peeve of mine across the board, yeah. is that, like, men have this weird luxury of being able to be method. Women can't do that shit. No. Because women would get kicked off of set and if I they acted hate like that. And people say shit is method when it's not method. No. It's like, then you've obviously never taken a class Well, before. I mean, and just, like, I'm just gonna stay in this character this entire time, and, like, that... Be you're gonna dick. just be a dick, you know, basically. Yeah. I think that that is bullshit. Joaquin Phoenix is brilliant in, in this movie. He's, he's very, a very actor. He's very, very, very good. Yeah. But that, that does always rub me the wrong way, because you don't hear about women doing that shit. It's always, like, in Almost always, like, and if white they guys. do it, it would be like if they're a mother, they have children they have to take care of. How do they go about their daily lives? Like, I feel like it would be more of a topic of conversation if we're talking about a woman, right? But if you have like Margot Robbie playing Harley Quinn, she's not going around and playing pranks on everybody in the cast like Jared Leto did. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's like he did some fucking weird. He did some pranks. fucked up shit. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> we took a turn um, to bring it back to what you were talking about. I yeah. don't want us to get too off topic talking about. All of these other things that are largely speculative. Clearly, very obviously, this was anti-Semitism at work. Yeah. We, you know, our hearts go out to the families of the victims. Yes. We don't know what the solution is, but... Yeah. Yeah. I think that the way that we do it, where we don't use the names and we talk about the situation, I think that's the best way to go about it so that we're not helping the perpetrators with notoriety. Yeah. Um... And still letting people know what's going on. And I think especially anti-Semitism in Germany is an important thing to discuss because this guy is someone who thinks the Holocaust never existed and that right. is fucking dangerous. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's really dangerous. It really is, yes. That kind so, of, like, misinformation, again, yeah. that gets spread so easily on the internet, yeah. um, is, is very scary. So yeah. watch out for that and call that shit out in your daily lives. Like, yeah. I think a lot of times these people don't get called out, and so... Well, it's scary. I would be scared to call someone out on it. Sure, but, like, if their behavior just continues to go unchecked forever, right. they can start feeling like it's normalized or that they no. can say this stuff yeah. in front of other people, so they must secretly agree with them and, oh, like, things no, like that, you totally know? no, I would totally say something, yeah. but it would be fucking horrible. I would want to make sure there's other people around. Absolutely. I don't yeah, know, don't, like... Don't put yourself in danger, yeah, but, like... Yeah, exactly. But definitely, you know, especially white guys, yeah. start calling out other white guys, seriously. Yep. Um, okay. So... The next thing that I have here is a couple of days ago. So last week we talked about Amber Geiger yes. and her 
conviction. So there was one witness in particular who was 28-year-old Joshua Brown. A lot of witnesses from this building, or I guess there weren't a ton, but there were a handful of witnesses from this building. As you can imagine, it's an apartment building. There was a gunshot, so people came out. There there were witnesses. Um, A lot of them did not want to come forward. They were scared to come forward. You're dealing with a Dallas police officer. Right. They didn't want to get involved. This young man, um, Joshua Brown, he did get involved. He testified, and he was actually a key witness in her trial. And a couple of days ago, he was gunned down. So he was gunned down, actually, when this episode comes out. It'll be a week ago. So it was last Friday. And... um, I don't know. A lot of it seems very sketchy to me. Clearly, the timing is very suspicious because it was only about a week or so after her conviction that this happened. And as I said last week, there was a lot of unrest in Dallas. Oh, yeah. And a lot of very differing, polarizing opinions that were happening in Dallas at the time. Yeah. I heard something about a drug deal gone wrong. That is what the Dallas police is saying. They have arrested... um, two of three suspects in his death. The Dallas police are saying that it was a drug deal gone wrong, which already I don't like the language that they're using. Mm -mm. Um, I think that the language is perfect, uh, is like um, deceptive. I think it's purposefully deceptive. They Does it seem a little racist to you as well? Well, it was weed. So calling it a drug deal gone wrong, to me, I think that it it gives you visions of something much seedier and darker. Yeah. Um, And they're saying it was weed. So not to say that, like, in Dallas, clearly, like, in Texas, weed is still illegal. So I understand that. But but to call it in 2019, where weed has been, like, largely decriminalized in many, like, states... Yeah, across and, the country. And culturally, too. And culturally decriminalized, yeah. that I feel like there is something inherently racist and sketchy about yeah. calling it a drug deal gone wrong when this isn't what people have said consistently is an otherwise very like upstanding young man who never had trouble with the law before. Right. So to say that is to act like he's part of this this higher criminal element. And it's a dead man that you're discussing. This is a person who can't defend himself. And I feel like they're doing it because a lot of people have been, you know, pointing the fingers back at police for not, like, protecting him better after, you know, because Dallas has been in such an uproar with people on both sides. There's been, like, a lot of protests um, that they should have done more. And I also don't like it that anytime anyone steps forward to give a statement in Dallas, um, who's part of the police force, yeah. it is always a black person. I feel like they do that on purpose yeah. for optics because they're just like, well, we have a black person saying that this was a drug deal gone wrong. Yes. Yeah, so <clears throat> that's our, that's our credibility. Right. Yeah. Right. And it wasn't, you know, it's like, cause they're like, we can have a white person saying that. And yeah. to me, it's just, it's a game. It's and it's it's very it's sketchy timing to me if this was if this was a drug deal, I think it's very convenient or sorry, I don't want to use that a weed terminology. Money exchange. Yes, if if this was a uh, pot deal, I <laughs> I think it's very, very convenient. I mean, could it like this man lived twenty eight years and it was after he testified in this yeah. nationwide trial that has caused massive unrest in his city. Like can Just I, after that, that he gets shot down and killed? Like, that seems suspicious to me. Can I be a conspiracy theorist and wonder Absolutely. if the person who was giving him the weed was also mad about his testimony? 
could have been. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know enough about the situation. I so haven't, I'm I haven't heard <laughs> a lot about the suspects. Um, yeah. I think their names have been released, but the police are saying that the suspects have detailed what went down and said that it was a drug deal. So, and that they, when they searched Joshua Brown's home, they found like massive amounts of weed, which does change things as far as like the general like pot smoker yeah. doesn't have tons. tons of weed in their house, yeah. right? So that would kind of like change what this person was doing necessarily. Like maybe they were moving it or trying to like sell it themselves or whatever. Yeah. Um, Either way, it doesn't seem like as big of a deal, but I would, I mean, I hope people are encouraging more information to be released? Well, the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund asked for an independent investigation Good. into Brown's death because they they called it deeply alarming and highly suspicious, which I think we all feel that. Yeah. And maybe it is this thing of, like, people who were trying to sell pot and it yeah. went wrong and, like, violence occurred. Like, it's not to say that that can't happen, but it is very suspicious timing. It is. Um, so I guess we'll see. We'll wait for we'll wait for updates Jesus. on it. But I really do hope that they launch an independent investigation completely outside of Texas law enforcement. Because as we know, there's that like blue line, you know, brothers protecting brothers. Yeah. You can't trust that police department to investigate themselves. Exactly. So. All right. I have one more thing that I really, we have really, the same really thing. want to discuss with you. Okay, good. Because I have feelings. Other people in my life have feelings. Everyone has feelings. I want to know your feelings. So we are talking about Ellen DeGeneres sitting with George Bush at a Cowboys game. Mm -hmm. They were both invited by the owner of the Cowboys, who is friends with George Bush, who, you know, Ellen, I believe, is a Packers fan. I believe so. So invited her for that reason. The owner of the Cowboys is also a piece of shit. Oh, yeah. But... So they were seated next to each other. There's a photo of them. Ellen's on her phone. And they, you know, they're both just smiling. Whatever. I, at first glance, did not think this was a big deal. At first glance, to me, it didn't seem like they were interacting with each other. Like, it just seemed like they were seated next to each other. Yes. But then Ellen went on her show and did a now very viral monologue where she speaks about kindness. Being kind to people, even if you think differently than them. Which. Well, okay. Let me, let me read what she said. Yeah. I have only part of it written down, so if you want to read more, go for it. She said, here's the thing. I'm friends with George Bush. In fact, I'm friends with a lot of people who don't share the same beliefs that I have. We're all different, and I think we've forgotten that that's okay that we're different. Just because I don't agree with someone on everything doesn't mean I'm not going to be friends with them. So this isn't the whole speech. She also yeah, makes it a, went on she, for a while. And she makes a, a, a comment about how I don't believe in wearing fur, but I'm still friends with people who wear fur. Right. And then she says, when I say be kind to one another, I don't mean only the people who think the same way you do. I mean be kind to everyone. It doesn't matter. To which the crowd applauded. Okay, but this is the thing. I agree with the kindness aspect of it. If I were sitting next to George Bush, first of all, I would probably move because I'd be fuming because of the way I was raised uh, in a household that hated him and made it very known and educated me a lot on him and his family and his administration. So I personally would have a hard time with it, but I don't believe in being outwardly cruel to people. Right. I would Kindness, be cordial. Yes. Right. I would be civil. Yeah. And I believe that that's part of kindness. Now, Mark Ruffalo came out with a really great tweet that says, 
Sorry, until George W. Bush is brought to justice for the crimes of the Iraq War, including American-led torture, Iraqi deaths and displacement, and the deep scars, emotional and otherwise, inflicted on our military that served his folly, we can't even begin to talk about kindness. So this also um, has raised a lot of feelings with people, people who are agreeing, people who are disagreeing. Well, I'll tell you. Okay. This came up on my Facebook feed a lot. Of course. A lot of people posted this. A lot of people were applauding Ellen DeGeneres. It rubbed me wrong immediately. Like, Same. I was rubbed wrong immediately by this. I understand the sentiment. Yes. But <laughs> the thing is, it's it, to compare somebody who destabilized an entire region, yeah. caused thousands, hundreds of thousands of deaths yeah. and actually did act his administration, if not him directly, because I do believe that he was a bit of a pawn for he, Cheney and others. His Cheney administ- was a main role. Well, I mean, yeah, his administration, right? Yeah. Like his administration is responsible. At the right. end of the day, you're the boss. You're the president. Exactly. And as incompetent as I really do feel George W. Bush was, at the end of the day, he is responsible for the actions of his administration. And and so, to me, comparing having friends who wear fur and being friends with them to being friends with somebody who has committed these kinds of atrocious acts and also as an LGBT icon who I did a I did yes. an LGBT icon episode on. Yes. Um this is also a person whose administration actively worked against the LGBTQ community. Yeah. So to me coming out and saying that and putting it under the umbrella of we all just need to be nice to each other was really obnoxious to me because I just, I, I'm getting really irked with this idea of civility that uh-huh. we always need to be civil. We need to be civil all the time. And yeah. it's just like, no, we don't. If someone's actively working against you to oppress you, I don't know that you always need to be like yeah. super nice. Agreed. Agreed. I don't think that you have to, I think being civil and being a decent human being is always important. I don't I don't believe in going out of your way to cause conflict, but I do believe in standing up for yourself, which is something she's done. Like she's interviewed John McCain completely, you know, standing up for herself and her right to marry Portia de Rossi. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's done this before where she's been able to um take a conflict head on in a way that is very cordial and respectful, but not had to be like, we're friends. Well, you know and, what I what, mean? and that's exactly what it is. I'm just like, you could have sat next to him at a game and not come out and said that we're friends. And like, also I, I get it. Like the people have made comparisons where him and Michelle Obama have a very like, um, almost loving relationship. It seems. And like, I yeah. get it. I get it. Look, I, I also get that maybe because I don't think that George W. Bush is necessarily, like, a highly nefarious, like, individual. I, he I probably is a, a fun guy to hang out with. Yeah, I mean, he's a party animal. Right. He's yeah. probably, like, a fun person to hang out with. Like, I get all of this, and I'm not saying that you can't have complicated feelings of for course. someone. I understand that, but I also understand the outrage on the other side of the spectrum of just being like, Ellen, it's very nice that you have the privilege of being a and very wealthy person. That is the biggest thing that's not coming affected. forward. Yeah, like, you're a very privileged, wealthy white lady who is not affected yes. by the policies that and, these administrations put in place. You know, Kristen Bell, Reese Witherspoon, right. so many celebrities that came forward. I mean, Reese Witherspoon has since taken her support down off the internet. Yeah. Um, but there's been a lot of people who have come forward and applauded. And one thing that people are really pointing out on Twitter is that it's like, 
your privilege is showing, you know, and to, to the point that you were saying about how you don't think George Bush is a nefarious guy, I would have to agree with you. I don't I don't think in my adult age now being able to see it, I don't think he is a malicious, evil person. I believe that he made horrible, malicious, awful choices and was backed by people who were awful. I think he allowed himself. I think, yeah, I think he allowed himself to be a um, kind of just face. Yeah. Like the face of this administration. And I don't think think he, I don't think he wrote his own speeches. I don't think he made his own policy decisions. And I think he also, the way I was raised to believe who he was is that I was told that the war was something his father wanted and he was kind of doing it like as a legacy, doing something like to make his mark. Well, and on the world. oil interests and yeah. all of these other things. Like there were other people's interests, and I don't under I don't think he understood any kind of policy. No. This is also he's the just scary. It's also the scary thing about again we see it with Trump. Like it's the scary thing about having somebody who doesn't have any understanding of like military strategy. Um, not to take us in another direction. But then you had Dick Cheney, who knew a lot. Right. There's yeah. crazy shit going on with um, Turkey right now in Syria. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That we're not going to get into. But, like, this is part of the problem of, like, when you have a president who doesn't understand policy, they're going to make really bad decisions or they're going to allow themselves to be manipulated and in really terrible ways. And I think that makes them at fault. Right. Of course. You are the president. Like, And that's why... It's your job. I don't like him. I right. didn't say any of that stuff to be like, I forgive him or I think deep right. down he's a really good guy. Right. It, it doesn't really matter unless you're going to come forward and, and take responsibility for yes. the shit you did. And I think, you know... That would be the best thing for him to do in this day and age, especially, I mean, even George Bush hates Trump. I think coming forward and admitting the mistakes, apologizing and being... It will be human. Be human yeah, about it. Yeah, I think, but, you know, I don't know. This It's such a... It's be such a woman about it. <laughs> it's such a fraught topic, though, because it's like... I would appreciate him taking responsibility, but at the same time, like, we are responsible for ISIS. Like, we created yeah. ISIS. Like, all of the—we created all this destabilization, like, yeah. in these these other countries that people are still dying for oh, right yeah. now. Too little, too late. Um, sure. So it's, it's hard, and I, I get where people are coming from. Everybody just wants to come back to a place where we can all just get along, like, because we're so divided right now. But again, like, a difference of opinion is, like, what pizza toppings you like. It's not, like, rooted in my oppression as a human being. Exactly. You know, and so... And I believe, while it frustrates me that our party system right now is so divided and you are either very liberal or very conservative, and being very conservative means something different now than it did in years past. Of course, But I believe in this day and age, it's important to draw that line for yourself and to identify with something, because it's the people who are kind of wishy-washy and in the middle where, like, it's not getting anything done. Well, and it's it's important to call—it is important to call people out when you're, like— you know, it's not saying that you can't have a loving relationship with, like, family members who disagree with you on things. Exactly. But it is important, and this is something I struggle with, but it is important to call out other people's bullshit, like, when they're being shitty. Yeah. Like, or when their beliefs are not just a difference of opinion, but an actively oppressive belief system. Exactly. You know, I so I know it's a complicated topic. We would love to hear your thoughts yeah. on on the whole Ellen DeGeneres thing. Do you think that, um, do you agree with her? Do you feel like we do? I think that 
I, outside of the privilege, I think that but their, her heart is probably in the right place. Yeah. But, um, of course, there are issues with it, in my opinion. So oh, very much so. let us know what you think. You can email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail. Uh, yeah, neighborhoodfeminist <laughs> at gmail.com. Wow, forgot about it for a second. <laughs> Or you can reach out to us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. You can find us on Facebook. We have a business page and a group uh, on Facebook. You can also leave us a review on our business page or on Apple Podcasts. You can also listen to us on Radio Public. You can check out our Twitter. I re-downloaded Twitter. I saw that. So, you know, for the hundredth time, we'll see if this works uh, for the billionth time. Maybe if I put it on the front page of my apps. It's just, I just, I don't understand it as a platform, so it just, I don't know. But you can reach out uh, to us there if you'd like. We'll get the emails. Maybe (laughs) school us on Twitter, help us understand it. Uh, You can reach out to us there at Yamf Podcast, Y-A-N-F Podcast. And I think that's all we have for you today. Yeah. Yeah? I think that's everything that we could possibly cover. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. With all of that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.